Hello, and welcome to Two Houses, a podcast about two people living with DID. I'm Valentine. And I'm Vader. And we're here again. <laughs> um, I did warn you, you guys, it's going to be me <laughs> on this side. I think Vader, Vader's just uh, enjoying, I think, being part of the podcast again. Yeah. But I know that there's a bunch of people in there who probably want to contribute as well. Yeah. Especially Stacy. Oh, God, Stacy. Stacy's waiting for the more appropriate time to talk about her fanfic oh my god oh that's so cute no i, I adore stacy and that'll be fun um but yeah i think you're just kind of enjoying getting back into the swing of this yeah yeah so today um we wanted to focus on something we have mentioned in the last episode yeah and we wanted to extrapolate and talk more broadly about trauma bonds yeah because that's a huge like new realization for us as a yeah, system it has been very recent for you that we've really discussed what trauma bonds are what they look like and you coming to terms with like holy shit yeah i know what like i've i've experienced that yeah yeah and you know it's like one of those things where because we have been on this like recovery journey and we know that our family is dysfunctional we know that there's such thing as a trauma bond and we know that we probably have them We've never, like, deeply emotionally connected to it and where it actually applies. Yeah. And um, I want to read for everybody. Like, it's it's a one sentence just kick to the face. Yep. All right? So just prepare yourself. No. It's a one sentence description of a trauma bond. And um, when I first read it, it hit me in the gut. And when I read it to you, mm-hmm. you were like, you know, ow. Yeah, that hit me. (laughs) So um, if anybody relates, just know you're not alone. But for the sake of moving forward, let's discuss what a trauma bond is. And here it is. Here's the sentence that may kick you in the gut. The one sentence. Rule them all. (laughs) It just destroys. Okay. The environment necessary to create a trauma bond involves intensity, complexity, inconsistency, and a promise. That's it. But oh my God. Oh my God. If you check off all those boxes, you'll be like, oh God. I think the one that hit the hardest was the promise. Yes. Same for me. Um, because it's like so much the core that there's this really dysfunctional promise, you know, mm-hmm. that you're going to protect each other. You're going to play this role in their life as like, you know the sort of hero mm-hmm. but you see it as like a necessity you see it as like a, a loyalty yeah and i think the promise kind of varies depending mm-hmm. on the trauma bond and with who but it always feels like a secret right it always yeah. feels like a very important secret you're keeping it's and like the subtext where you feel like you can look at this person and you both understand and not a word needs this, to be said yeah yeah and um, so uh, just to be clear, uh, I found that quote on the World Wide Web of Internets many a year ago, and I do not know where I found it. Yeah. Um, so I can't give you a source, but uh, I just found it so applicable. Yeah. Um, it just really captures like it shows it's like a roadmap, right? Mm-hmm. It's like. Oh, do you want to know? 
if you have a trauma bond with somebody, well, let me give you the checklist. Yeah. Does it have all four of these things? Then yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why it hits so hard is because it's like, yeah, I can't deny that. Yeah, exactly. I think that probably, at least for us, like our first recognition of where trauma bond really fell, like we felt it the hardest when we heard that like description was with our sister. Mm-hmm. Um, in our mind, we've always felt like we were very close. Mm-hmm. Like, there was this deep, powerful connection. Um, but then one day you were like, well, what's something you know about your sister? Like, I forget what exactly we so, were. So, yeah. So, this is how, can I kind of frame it a little bit? Yeah. Okay. Obviously, with a lot of care given to make sure that, like. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, essentially what it was is you guys were kind <clears throat> of expressing that you feel like something has shifted, right? Like something has shifted in the relationship with your sister over time. And you're not really sure what it is, but things feel different now. And I was observing and being like noticing like, well, yeah, of course things are different. Like you're outside the family trauma bubble, you know, you're not doing the dysfunctional behavior stuff. So it came down to like a discussion of, I mean, tell me something that you know, like, that's a, a core part of your sister. Like, what do you, like, know about her, like, as a, a person on a deep level? And it was difficult. Yeah, like, we couldn't pull anything recent forward. Right. All we had for reference was our connection back when we were, you know, younger teenagers, you know. But even that's not that, really... even that, though, Yeah. in terms of, like, being able to communicate that you knew something i mean it's gonna sound hippy dippy right but like tell me about her soul tell me about the kind of person she is and uh, that was very difficult yeah because you were like you know i know some facts but this and then you started wondering like why am i struggling with this Mm -hmm. we're really close or we were really close and we got into the discussion and i was like hmm you know I, i just Maybe we're talking about a trauma bond here. Mm -hmm. Like it feels super intense, but it's based on these like four categories, right? Yeah. That's what makes it intense. That's when you pulled it up. Yeah. Then I pulled the quote up (laughs) and you were kind of like, oh, oh, I don't like how this feels. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. Wow. And, you know, there's like that small spiral that kind of comes from it of, well, this is a connection that I valued Mm -hmm. and I still value, but what is it actually grounded in? Like, is it real? Is it what in my mind I thought it was? Does that make sense? It absolutely does. And we did talk about it at the time. We spent a long, like we had a long discussion about it in Mm -hmm. that moment of like, what is a trauma bond? And I think one of the things I was very clear with you about was like, because I... And others in my system, we have experienced trauma bonds. Um, I don't want to focus on them today, you know, but, like, let's focus on what you're bringing to the table. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's very important. But, like, we have experience with it. And that's why we were able to kind of, like, meet you where you were at. And be like, yes, I understand that feeling. Um, But one thing that I did tell you, I think, over and over again, as you were kind of spiraling a little bit, was, um, yes, 
it does feel like it's real. Like it feels like the most important kind of bond, the truest of loves. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to um, <clears throat> play that down. I'm not going to say like it's all fake because that's not what's happening here. It's like a, it's it's a physical response. You know, it's an emotional response. And I completely understand that it feels like it's it's deep and it's real and it's the love that you were you know, modeled. Yeah. So I'm not, I was not in any way trying to say like, oh, you know, there's no love there. Yeah. It's just a recognition that maybe it's more nuanced. Maybe there's something to take a look at. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, definitely not taking away from the fact that you felt so connected. Yeah. That, that I understand that feeling. I've, I've had those trauma bonds and it, it does feel really real. And I can't even say like, it's not. Yeah. It's just based in some dysfunction. Yeah. I think that's like the, the part that makes our brain kind of glitch is like, we do have a lot of love for our sister. Absolutely. Like that is, that is real. It is there. And you know, we care about her happiness. We care about her success in life. Um, but when it comes to actually communicating with each other, when it comes to actually like getting to know each other from the place that we're at today, mm-hmm. it doesn't exist. Yeah. Like there's been a few attempts. It's very difficult. But because we're so outside of this, like the toxic bubble of our family dysfunction, we feel like there's nothing to relate anymore. Mm-hmm. without like having conversations or risking conversations that will lead into debates or falling back into the role that you know creates that trauma bond of like yeah so I do have a quote that I actually have like a source for so um and that relates to what you're talking yeah. about because trauma bonds um can happen in basically any relationship mm-hmm. but um Often they happen between like parents and children or siblings in a dysfunctional situation or like um, romantic partners. Like it can be anything. Yeah. But you're talking specifically about like the sibling. One. Yeah. And so I have a quote and it is from an article from the Huffington Post uh, about adult children of alcoholics. And I'm um, just taking a little quote from it. So children who are lost and frightened may rescue each other increasing their sense of loyalty and bonding. These bonds carry with them a sense of surviving together and may create a feeling that loyalty should be maintained at all costs, even if this bond becomes problematic or dysfunctional. And that's very relevant. Yeah. And I think that's where we're, we're at right now is like part of the reason why this huge divide sort of happened. Cause we left the family when we were like 21 mm-hmm. and the second that happened, we detached so much. And it was because, like, where was I going with that? Uh, you detached from the family. I detached from, oh, our sister was the reason why we first entered therapy. Because we wanted to not have this, this role that we were playing in her life, which was more of like a, a parental more of a, um, you're doing this thing that I don't agree with. I'm going to give you my opinion on it. I'm going to try to 
like mold you into a a strong person or you know just little yeah, things like, more like that parental than sibling just like dysfunctional yeah. in a way yeah. and we wanted to not be so obsessed with it anymore mm-hmm. um so it's like we've always skirted around the realization that it was a trauma bond but we never like fully saw the bigger picture of what that entailed and what that means for us today Mm. um because we do want to get to know her but there's a huge aspect of our life today that it feels almost impossible because we have so many opinions about certain aspects that you know maybe at one point in time we would like jump on the bandwagon with like like yeah yeah this thing that's dysfunctional like let's pick a side let's pick a side you know and we don't do that anymore like we emotionally mentally and physically can't yeah um so it's like yeah, it's kind of, I've seen that you are kind of coming to this information and analyzing it and saying, like, this is applicable to me. How do I move forward? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we've kind of skirted around what it feels like to be in a trauma bond with somebody. Mm-hmm. But it might be worth just, like, taking a minute to say, like, some of those emotions, like, what it really feels like feels important yeah it feels like a purpose Mm -hmm. um and if that's not there then what is your connection with this person if that sense of purpose if that sense of like like, i don't disagree i feel like for me for us it's also kind of come down to sometimes they are like protecting them or the the bond the secret whatever it is that's going into this intensity is my reason for existing yeah yeah it feels important enough that it's worth living for and in those dysfunctional spaces and those dysfunctional times if if you don't have better coping skills or like acknowledgements of what's really happening um it it can really feel like this is the reason to keep going um even though it's not necessarily healthy. Yeah. It, it's but it feels so meaningful, right? It's like uh, Okay, hold on. Let me pull this together here. Okay. Um aside from just our sister. Mhm. It's kind of more of a a family dynamic of that trauma bond it's like our whole connection with our family is one massive trauma bond where these unspoken promises and these unspoken like dynamics it's like you can just look at a person and know that like this is what we're doing this is what we're doing now which is where the like when we first like remember a split with seeing all of our family members in one room and just like having that situation unfold the way it did it's like nothing was ever said about what we were doing but it became like this 
what somebody used as a word is was grooming mm. like we had been groomed to see certain things as like pure loyalty yeah. like this is what loyalty is is compromising your own being for the sake of others to yeah. keep this dynamic neutral and with this like impression that we are stronger together yeah it's an agreement yeah um and it's so harmful because i feel like in my experience at the end of the day when it becomes clear or when it has become clear that like these were trauma bonds mm-hmm. there is a feeling of like I was, it's not even misguided, It's and it's not even, like, betrayed, per se, depending on the situation and the person, but it's very much a feeling like I was hoodwinked, you yeah. know? Like, this was not what it appeared to be. I think for me, also, there's, like, a sense of shame that kind of comes from it. For me, personally. Um, like, why did I think this was okay? Well, yeah, um... I can understand the shame aspect because for me it, it it's come out as like why was I so tricked? Why was I so easily tricked by this? Why couldn't I see that what was going on was dysfunctional? Um, and yeah, so there's a shame to that for me of like I thought I was smart. Yeah. Like I thought that I had this healthy thing in my life that was making me happy and gave me a sense of like self but when certain elements to it start to crumble it's like your whole world just kind of explodes yeah yeah it's uh it's very damaging when it becomes apparent that you know your sense of self can't be based around this yeah kind of flimsy in a way bond well, because there's just so much compromising yeah. that takes place. So you much forget like who you are. So much like suppressing of what your morals and your ethics actually are. Right. Like you you over you over analyze this. Like I want to be the most perfect support system mm-hmm. to this person, and this is the things that I need to do to do that, despite. It possibly going against what you actually see, yeah. what you want to say, what you might find more um, important to disclose, you know? Yeah, compromise is a big part of it. Yeah. But in that moment, in that space, like, I feel like I've done it willingly. Yeah. It's like a choice. I've decided, um, yes, this compromise is 100% worth it. Yeah. And then later on... It feels horrible to look at. Mm-hmm. And I think there's just this element of this might be like an oversimplified thing, but I think that communication is like there's a huge, just consistent miscommunication because it's almost like no one's actually being honest. Yeah. Like, even if it feels like in that moment there's a lot of honesty and vulnerability, um, 
there is this like subtle like understanding internally for ourselves that I'm not completely fine with this. Yeah. But you're constantly like sort of suppressing that because the feeling of, but this is important. Yeah. This is where like, this is like my heart's truest like bond. Like it's just without this, what do I have? Yeah. Oh God. It's, it's, it's freaking painful. It's painful. Um, well, that's the other part too. It's like, it is painful eventually. Mm-hmm. But in the initial stages, I feel, of trauma bonding, it's exhilarating. Yeah. Yeah, because it's... Like you said, it gives you purpose. Mm-hmm. It gives you purpose. It makes you feel valued, yeah. which is something that... Or valuable. Like, valuable, which growing up in like a dysfunctional household, that was something that we personally always tried to get. Mm-hmm. That feeling and sense of like... We are important enough to be cared for. Mm-hmm. To be loved, yeah. And, um, which makes sense because when we had been sexually abused and the outcome of that, like, it was a huge slap to our face. Like, we weren't important enough to be protected. You know? And so from that moment on, it was like our connection relied solely on. How do we protect people? How do we keep this from happening to our sibling? Like, what do I need to be to make sure that she is fine? And then on a bigger scale, when it came to, like, the rest of the family, it was kind of like, yeah, there's a lot of shit, but we can work through it together. But it wasn't, like, a healthy working through it together. There was no communication about it. It was just like, I hear that you're upset, but what you need to do is just get over it. Like, you need to let it go. You need to move on. Yeah. And that was just kind of a, like, this is how our family works through things together. Yeah, it's so freaking sad. You know, there's the elements of what is sort of known about with the, like, love bombing, where I've definitely felt like I've done it with our sister. So, give a a little, um, what you, so love bombing is a term, Mm -hmm. and it's used in psychology, and, um, it's often kind of characterized, uh, people will use it in terms of how a narcissist will, um sort of begin engaging with a person so it's like initial stages mm-hmm. and so it's a term applied to kind of like a part of the cycle of behavior that people with narcissistic traits will utilize yeah so what does that look like i think for us it kind of comes out and like if there was ever like a crisis or intense situation taking place in our sister's life we would come in there and be like overly supportive overly protective overly like all these things to kind of like reinstill this like sense of purpose for ourselves like this Mm -hmm. is the moment that we like we step up and 
But then afterwards, it's kind of like the connection isn't there. Yeah. So it's like this tug of war or like up and down. Well, do you remember that one of the words and of the four words that make a trauma bond, wasn't it like inconsistent? Yeah. Inconsistent. Which kind of exemplifies what you're explaining mm -hmm. and has been my experience too is like those ups and downs are very um, extreme mm -hmm. and uh, either side of the, the trauma bond kind of being really available and really loving and really open and then at other times being completely unavailable and closed off and just like it, there that is a part of building the trauma bond it's just that inconsistency that like you you can't really be a hundred percent sure on, and yeah you know at any given time how it's going to go but uh it's going to go through like these cycles right yeah yeah so yeah i mean today in our life with the recognition of like the trauma bond that we do have with our sibling um and how we have made like minor attempts to kind of like bridge that gap um it's still very difficult to do it feels very um uncertain or it still has the same inconsistency where we really want to bridge that gap. We really want to get to know who she is today. Um, we want her to know us as we are today. But there's that sense of like... Is that even possible? And if it's not even possible, why even try? And, and the question of is it possible... Um, I know we've discussed this. It's kind of like... A person is faced with a choice, right? Because if you were to um, bring yourself back into the dysfunction bubble mm -hmm. and go along with all of their rules, you would be instantly welcomed. Yeah. But trying to build a relationship from a place of outside that dysfunction bubble, um, that's the struggle, right? Like, I, I'm not going to engage in these, like, dysfunctional family behaviors. Therefore, is it possible yeah. to forge a real relationship? Well, I think it's something that we've learned over the course of just being in therapy and stuff is that sometimes, like, it's important to recognize when somebody needs to meet you where you're at. Mm. Because if you keep going to where they're at, it's going to build these resentments. It's going to build this, like, exhaustion mm -hmm. and this frustration and this, like, breeding ground of more dysfunctional conversations and styles of communicating. And Yelma Van Zant says that a lot um, in her show. And she's got books and stuff, too. But um, she's like, do not sink to their level. Make them rise to meet you. Mm -hmm. And, um... Yeah, I think that's kind of what you're saying. Yeah, it's just that, like, sense that, like, we can't step into that. Right. You don't want to be in the dysfunction. bring ourselves to that point that she's at, that any of our family members are at. And so it keeps us feeling, like, very um, 
on the outside. Like, which there's a grief to that. Yeah. Because we still have that, like, hardwired, like, loyalty to our family. Like, there are things within us that, you know, if this was a situation that was going on, we would want to run to them and be supportive and to be, like, with them 100%. But recognizing that we can't just do that anymore because it compromises a lot of our own like morals and our ethics and what we're striving for in our life to become a healthier emotionally mature person um it keeps us more on the outside and distant um which is tough because in society you know it's family is supposed to be like your solid ground to me that's kind of a fairy tale yeah um but i know that depending on your kind of upbringing or your culture or whatever um that is different depending on kind of your experience of life like sometimes family really is that you know from my experience it hasn't been yeah i mean our family's big we have a big family um and our culture does really derive in that family loyalty yeah like we do have a cultural connection to that dynamic yeah um But this stuff with, like, families is not, like, black and white. No. You know, there's so much emotional, like, the word I keep using is tug-of-war. Like, when it comes to being in contact with them. Yeah. Um, Because, yeah, there's elements that we miss. But those elements that we miss are probably more rooted in a trauma bond, which is not something that we can give energy to. Like, we've come so far, and we feel like our <laughs> where we're at today is so far away from where they're at, mm-hmm. and that's where it starts to feel, like, impossible. Yeah. And there's a huge grief to that. Absolutely. And I think that can apply to um, all kinds of relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't for foreshadowing, foreboding, but like, because um, I know that our relationship is really solid. Yeah. So get that out of the way. But um, I've, I've heard that described in terms of romantic relationships, right? Where it's like you grow together or you grow apart. Yeah. And it, it seems like a kind of very similar idea of... Um, if you continue to grow, which you have been, you've been working really hard on yourselves. You've been working to, you know, heal. Yeah. So you've been growing. And a lot of what I've seen from the family is they, they've made choices not to do those same things. Yeah. They've, they're not following that path. And therefore, you've grown apart. Yeah. And um, I think that happens in all kinds of relationships. But I think it's always sad. Because it's, like, even in a romantic relationship, right? Like, 
at one point you were on the, you were in the same place. Yeah. You were on the same path and then they diverged. And at some point down the line, you feel like I may love this person. I may have loved this person, but we're so different now. Yeah. And, um, it's kind of like when you get to that place of when are we both going to, or when are we all going to recognize that we have grown apart and our relationship is never going to be the same. Like, how do we both become okay with that? And what does that now look like? Mm. Knowing that this is the dynamic and, you know, what elements of that do we need to grieve? Mm. If that makes sense. It like, does, I, it I, does <laughs> absolutely make sense uh, because in this type of situation, we can never force another person to choose to grow. And even if they do choose to grow, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to grow in the direction that we've grown. Mm -hmm. It may look completely different for, for them. Yeah. And so it's always like, it's, it's very hard to be okay with, but for me, there's come an understanding of like people in general. Um, they may not be in your life always you know what i mean mm -hmm. like you may be very close to somebody and have a very like good relationship and then over time because things change and you change and they change it doesn't last and it's very difficult to kind of be okay with that yeah. but the thing is right like the constant of family is supposed to surpass that yeah and again i can only speak from my experience it, it doesn't seem to in my experience yeah Family has not surpassed anything for no. me. No, and we constantly feel like we're, we give very surface connection with our family yeah. when we talk. It's very like, there's more things that we have, we feel like we have to keep from doing in order to even have a conversation. I feel that way too. I feel like, um, there's so much I'm being careful not to say. Yeah. And that's the game. Say something the opposite of what you want to say <laughs> just to get yeah. through it. Like, yeah. that's how it feels. And that's not, that's not connection. No. And that's, that's the, the sad element of it is like, I recognize what is real connection and what is very surface. What is something that I give to you know acquaintances yes and you know sometimes there's acquaintances that i feel like i give more to than my own family oh yeah i know that feeling too and that in itself is also like very sad That's especially painful. when you grow up feeling these like very intense things mm -hmm. that you still feel but you can recognize that it's not there's an element to it that is very dysfunctional and there's an awareness and an acceptance that needs to take place to like hold it differently. Yeah. Um, there was a point in time quite a few years ago now. Um, I think maybe it was around the time we met. I don't remember or before as well. And, um, we as a system were trying to come to a decision about whether or not we were going to even be in contact with our family. 
Mm-hmm. Like it was legitimately a will we speak to them ever again or not? Mm-hmm. And um, that was a complicated situation, but we came to a decision eventually. And um, the decision kind of was, yes, I want to be able to be in their life, but in no like meaningful way. I we chose the route of acquaintance. Yeah. So and so for a while now, we've been aware of that. Like that was our choice. Um, and that's the amount that we kind of interact with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could have gone the other way. You know, yeah. there was plenty of reasons to not engage with them ever again. And uh, but we chose what we felt was best for us at the time, which was I don't want to lose them entirely. But I do recognize that I can't engage in these relationships the way that I once wanted to. Yeah. This needs to be like have serious boundaries. Yeah. For my safety. So when you talk about like having acquaintances that you that know you better than your family, I can absolutely relate to that. Yeah. And uh, for us, it was a choice. Um. But I can also see how it could happen organically. Yeah. I think um, dissociation uh, played a huge part mm-hmm. in that bridge. Mm-hmm. Started being destroyed. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's really easy to disconnect when you're lots of miles away. That's true. That's true. Um, out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. As messed up and maybe dark as that is. Sad? It's all of them. It's all of the words. <laughs> But then again, there's the old adage, right? Like, wherever you go, there you are. Yeah. So, yes, you can get away, but you can you still have to deal with this, the stuff that you're holding. Um, but, yes. Uh, just, I, I, I get so stressed out just thinking about it, honestly. <laughs> well, and when your family is saying, you know, like, you can talk to me about whatever, you know, come to me, you know. It's like a part of you wants to be able to do that, but you know that they don't, they won't be able to handle it because the advice that you're going to be looking for can't come from them because they're not, they're not emotionally at the. Yeah. And I've, I've been in situations where, um, there was a point, you know, I guess about 10 years ago now where, uh, we were in the psych hospital for a while. I think we've mentioned it. If not, huh? There it is. Um, <laughs> and afterwards, our therapist um, kind of basically the way I see it. I was not there for the conversation. I don't know what it went like on the phone with um, our therapist and our parents, but she, in my mind, like bullied them into <laughs> taking, like, letting us stay in their house with them for a while because we were not safe. We were, you know, suicidal. It was bad. Um, and so in my mind, I see it as like, she must have bullied them because there's no way they would have agreed to that no matter what, you know? Yeah. But, um, yeah. So even in that situation where they were made aware that we were not in a safe place and they needed to watch us and like keep our meds away from us and all this stuff within three days, they were so sick of us being there and we weren't annoying them. We were just literally sleeping. We were just sleeping quietly um within three days they were so sick of us being there that they handed all our meds over and said leave 
And so even in those situations that were really important and potentially life-threatening, um, they weren't really there for us. The fact that you made them uncomfortable overshadowed your need to be taken care of. Right. And so there's been a lot of situations similar to that in which I have been shown that my safety is not a priority to them. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, that was the one and only time that ever happened. There were plenty of times that I was... Um, you know, psychologically just in so much distress. And there was a couple times that I was um, hospitalized, but I wasn't the type of person to make a fuss about it. In fact, the first time that we were hospitalized, uh, my parents had no idea that it ever even happened. Yeah. And they may still not know. And they're, they're like, all these other people were getting visitors, but we didn't have any visitors because we didn't even want anybody to know that we were there because we might be an imposition. We might be causing them stress. And so this one time where they agreed to take care of us for a total of three days was kind of the most they ever did. And um, they did it begrudgingly. Yeah. And then, you know, let us go on to make terrible decisions um outside of you know being watched by them Uh, and that was very dangerous so yeah it it makes sense to me that even though it's very painful it's it's sensible for us to kind of keep it at a level of we we may chat but we don't really talk yeah i can't really trust them and that means trust them with my physical safety as well as like my mental well-being and my emotions i can't trust them yeah yeah our family has no idea what we've actually been through over our whole life i guess yeah like they have a narrative Mm -hmm. but in terms of like the deeper stuff of like self-discovery and understandings and revelations and like what has shaped us to become who we are today they have no idea and on some level it feels like i can't even actually explain it to them where they'll actually hear it and see the accomplishment Mm -hmm. well you know that i feel similarly about my my family yeah which Um, is why we have chosen family yeah which is why (laughs) i mean there's so much that we appreciate about you guys as people. Yeah. But one of them is just that we can have these deep conversations and it's okay. In fact, it's valued. This yeah. is considered right here, right now. Like, yes, it's on a podcast, but we have these conversations regardless. Yeah. And this is considered valued time. This is important and we care about each other's feelings. And like, man, that is so different. Yeah. Right? Like, that is just <laughs> such a nice change. Yeah. Just like really feeling like, you know, you can let your guard down, even if it's not entirely, because I still feel like there's, um, it's just like a hardwired thing. It's definitely very minimal. Mm -hmm. The like slight walls that we keep for ourselves as a guarded system, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Well, that makes sense though. Like that doesn't 
I would never be offended yeah. to hear that you, as a person who's gone through trauma and has amnesia walls and has various <laughs> different people in your head, would have any kind of concern about safety. Like, of course you do. Yeah. Like, but I feel like with each other, those are as low as they get. Yeah. Like, I'm, same for us. You know, you know yeah. Um, and I don't take it like it's it's not a mean thing you're telling me. You're just yeah. like, yeah, this is just a fact. I'm like, I get it. Um, but there's a mutual respect. And I think around each other, we feel the most safe. Yeah. Than anyone else in the world. Yeah. I definitely can say a lot of things that I wouldn't say to anybody else about what I'm actually thinking yeah. and feeling. I feel the same <laughs> way. I do. Even people that I consider my best friends. Mm-hmm. Like... Which aren't very many people. I have a, f- a chosen few. And that's yeah. how I like to keep it. Um, even them. like, It's still not... What we have. Yeah, I think... Our systems together, our relationship as a whole... We genuinely want to encourage each other to become... And like, the people we want to be. And to change in positive ways. And I think we both want to be those people that grow together yeah this isn't like a flex on our relationship but it's just like it does require work oh it's a lot of work like it's it's, not yeah we're both actively i mean yeah this conversation that we're having it's not i don't think it's that common i mean i i think that people are who are able to do this comfortably are definitely like on a good path. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, we've experienced traumas together. Yes, we have. So, there's an element of that that, you know, a person, like, I've definitely been, like, a little bit nervous. Like, do we have a trauma bond? And, like, these are the questions that, like, as a healing person, we do need to ask ourselves. But there's elements to it that make it very different. And that's, like, our communication around yeah. it. Well, you know, to be fair, I guess in the honest, you know, since you're being completely honest, it yeah, we have asked asked ourselves that question as well, and it's not because anything has been a red flag. It's because we know that we have a past of people who we have trauma bonded to, mm-hmm. and that has been you know an ongoing issue in our life. And so obviously, we find ourselves with like a long term partner, and you do question. You're like, am I making the same mistakes over and over again? Yeah. And it's not because of red flags. It's because we need to think about these things. Um, So we've had that thought too. And also reached the conclusion of like, I could see how certain things we've been through together were traumatic. Mm -hmm. However, I feel like we don't base our bond, our relationship around that. We, and I I don't think it it follows those... um, there was four. Let me look it up really quick again. Did it? Let's look at him really. Let's just decide here on air. Do we have a trauma bond? <laughs> okay. So environment. <laughs> the environment necessary to create a trauma bond involves intensity, complexity, inconsistency, and a promise. Okay. Intensity. <sighs> we barely do anything. <laughs> there you go, people. We don't do anything. Uh, yeah. I mean. Like, for sure, there's been moments in our life that have had those things, but I 
feel like there's it's very specific to a moment in time. Yes, we've had intense moments together. So we've been in like um trying to say like generically like emergency situations together. Yeah. And those have been intense. But I feel like that's also just what happens to people. Yeah. I mean, there's like elements that are like, these are things that are going to happen in a long-term relationship because we all have our struggles. Right. But I feel like our relationship itself is not intense. Yeah. I feel like we are generally just very calm around each other. We can talk about deep things, but we can also just goof around. We do that. Yeah. Um, And I don't think it's based on intensity. No. I feel like we share more like genuine common interests yeah and like you said we have a main focus of growing together Mm -hmm. so like even in those like intense situations we're both still trying to see what is the healthiest way to go about this right and we do that together we do complexity i'll give it that one like our relationship is complex just by the the fact that we both have did yeah so, okay, that's a check. That's a box checked. I can't deny that. I'm not going to pretend to. Yeah. There's complexity involved in our relationship. It's a fact. Yeah. Um, inconsistency. I actually think no on this, despite the DID. What do you think? I was thinking the same thing. Like, despite the DID and there's being, like, the different connections and communications and relationships that we have with Mm -hmm. different people it's not necessarily that makes it inconsistent no it's just a different dynamic to our relationship because we both have this disorder but there's no like no matter who is out there's an understanding that we value and respect each other yeah and that's kind of the basis yeah um, so, yeah, though it is kind of a funny thing to say, like, no, we're not inconsistent with each other. That is how it feels. Yeah. Because um, regardless of who I'm talking to over there or who you're talking to over here, there are baselines of, like, respect and kindness and, you know, like, just all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter who's out, like, our communication with each other on vulnerability and knowing that. We all have the other's best interests at heart. As yeah. well as being able to verbalize our own like conflicts or yeah. if we don't fully understand something, like being able to verbalize that and be like, yeah. can you Good communication is the key. Also, within like some people would say like a person with the idea is inconsistent just by their nature. But I think our experience of it is that each of us is consistent within ourselves. So like you hanging out with me, you know what to expect. Yeah. Me hanging out with you, I know what to expect from you. Um, we are consistent in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And then the last one, of course, is a promise. And Which is I tough. don't I don't I'm I'm gonna say no on that one. Yeah. I'm gonna say no on it because yes, we're married. Uh yes, we have chosen to live our lives together. Mm-hmm. Um but there's nothing underlying it. Like, there's no secret thing that, like, you kind of described it as, you know, you can look at that person and, like, yes, this is what we're doing. Like, we have an understanding. Yeah. Like, I, there's nothing, like, I, I just say no to promise. Like, what would the promise be? 
I mean, the promise, if anything, would be like, I promise to do my best to try to love you well. Yeah. Which is a marriage promise. Yeah. But there's no sneaky, creepy promise. Yeah. There's no, like, promise rooted in, like, what is the word I'm looking for? Other than dysfunction. <laughs> um, it's like selfishness. Like there's a but yeah, ulterior here, motive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, I feel like the promise that we're going to do our best to love each other as best we can would also, I think we would both understand if that promise was broken out of um, safety. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if either one of us ever hurt the other person um, in a big way, um, I don't think there would be any expectation on the other person to follow through with the promise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, there's no dysfunctional underlying, like, you can't get out of this. Like, if there was ever a serious reason for us to separate, um, it would happen. Yeah. Um, so there's no, like, dark aspect to it, in my opinion. Yeah. The promise is just, I promise to try to love you as well as I can. And also... Uh, Be good to you. A promise that... I will own my part. Yeah, and I'll own my part. And yeah, like you said, it is a little tricky because marriage is involved. Yeah. But I, I still would say no because the promise doesn't run deeper than our values. Yeah. The promise isn't bigger than what, you know, may be happening. Mm -hmm. Does that, do you agree? Or? No, I agree. Yeah. yeah. There's a difference. Yeah. And I think that the more we dissect, like, the trauma bonds between our family and the trauma that we've experienced together and supported each other through, there's a difference Yeah. between each one. I agree. You know. So, yeah. I mean, I think that's a cool way to end the episode of, like, let's dissect our relationship. Do yeah. we have a trauma bond? I think that's really cool. Yeah. And I think, you know, we didn't plan that. No. Um. So it really was off the cuff. And I feel pretty solid in our conclusion. Yeah. That, like, no, I don't feel like we're living out another trauma bond together. Mm -hmm. I think we would not want that for... I wouldn't want that for you. Yeah. I don't think he would want that for me. No. We wouldn't want it for ourselves. We're doing our best here. Yeah. I'm sorry this episode is so long. It feels very long. Uh, I don't I mean, yeah, it's probably but, long, but whatever. Um, <laughs> There's a lot to discuss around it. Yeah, but I think that's a cool way to end it. Yeah. So, yeah, if anybody has any questions or whatever. Yeah, so you can to... contact us at uh, twohousespodcast at gmail.com and let us know. And if you have questions, um, yeah, just throw us the questions and we may answer them in a podcast. Or suggestions. That's if true. If you yeah. want to hear more about a certain topic. Yeah. Just let us know because we're just starting season two and mm -hmm. um, we're coming up with ideas. Yeah. So we've got a short list right now that we're trying to add to. So if anybody wants to throw an idea our way, we'll take it. Yeah. If it's appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, we're All done. Right. That's it. Well, see ya verbally next time. You are so awkward. Alright. Bye guys. <laughs>